0: This is episode number 339, The Psychology of Decisions. How, when, and why do we make them? With Jeffrey Goins. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you, to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. The first announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our five-week program called Rewrite Your Story. What this is, is a program that we've developed over the past six years of working with people from all over the world and helping them rewrite their story. The story of their past, the story of their hardships, the story of their present, the story of where they want to be. Through this time, we've been able to discover what works and what doesn't. We've been able to better understand how to help other people transform and reframe the times of hardship and temporary defeat into opportunities to learn and to grow from. If you feel that this program is in alignment with you and you are looking for similar changes in your life, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause By either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. This has been, man, this has been a journey to be able to get my name out to people. I remember actually in in high school, I was friends with one person for uh, three years. Before he graduated. And in year three, we we're playing basketball, he comes up to me and he says, Have I been saying your name wrong for the past three years? Totally. And I didn't it didn't even make sense to me. It didn't click. Cause half the time, whatever the person says, I don't sit and think there, did I pronounce it right? Sure. It's kind of funny because my my dad actually pronounces it Oleg.
1: Uh-huh.
0: My mom says Oleg. uh uh-huh. And then when someone asks me, Well, how do you like it? like I don't know. I can't even tell the difference anymore. I know.
1: I uh, that's actually kind of common. I've found somewhat common in that parents pronounce their kids' names differently, and the kids like I oh, don't know. It's both.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Especially if
1: the name is not like John, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> However, you want to do it, that's completely up to you. But that's an interesting side story that I was kind of brought up. uh, too, when I was in high school and, and remember just standing there in the middle of the basketball court and thinking, I don't know, is it one or is it the other or?
1: Well, what a, what a, what a wonderful way to <laughs> like bake flexibility into a child, give them, give them a name that lots of people will mispronounce and, and then give them two different pronunciations and don't <laughs> tell <laughs>
0: throughout it's, their lives. Yeah, you
1: are a you are a so, you are a psychological experiment. Experiment. You didn't
0: even know it. Do you think people, do you think parents are intentional when it comes to picking their names?
1: Well, you know, yes and no. Um I think some some parents are and and some aren't.
0: Just pick one out of the hat.
1: Well, I think uh, I mean that's an interesting question right. What does it mean to be intentional? I think it's like any decision, you know, that you, you think you're taking a long time to make, you are not taking a long time to make it, make the decision. You are putting off the thing that we all do. Anytime we make a decision, which is just basically do the thing that feels best to us in the moment. Mm. And like, you know, I mean, that, that is how we make decisions. You know, even when you're like, I was recently shopping for a vintage turntable on Craigslist and, and just looking at all and reading these reviews and comparing this and that, just getting crazy. And then, and I talked myself into and out of about a dozen different, you know, purchases <laughs> over two. And I was just like, Oh, I'm so tired of myself. You know, I'm and trying to you find, you don't end up purchasing. No, no. And then, and then one <laughs> random day, a turntable popped up on uh Craigslist and it was two hours away. And my sister lives two hours away. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to take my sister to lunch. And, and be done with it. And that's what happened. <laughs> and I, and I felt great about that purchase.
0: That happens to me more, more times than I can recall. So I that's what, into it yeah. one mindset. I'm about to make this decision. I'm going to make that purchase. And then literally two or three days later on Amazon, I'm scrolling through something Screw completely it. irrelevant. Yeah. And then that table, that exact color, that exact thing, that exact size comes up. And I'm like, something's weird how did how did they know when I didn't even know what I was looking for
1: totally yeah and I think that's how people name babies they go this name this name this name what about that what about that what about that and then you know the time to name the child comes whenever that is a month before a week after you know people do it differently and then they just go yeah this (laughs) but that's but it's like that's it. That's every decision is just a, a a thing that you decide and then the story that you decide that, that, that you choose to tell behind it, right? So your mm. parents could be like, "No, we thought long and hard about your name and, you know, and it was this and this and this and then we knew that Oleg was the right name for you because of blah 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 blah." That's fine. But that's just a story. The mm-hmm. decision the decision is a moment. It's always just a mm-hmm. moment.
0: Which brings up a really good question. At least I think it's a good question something you posed at the beginning of this, and that's kind of right versus wrong when it comes to Uh decision-making. When you are in situations when you feel like you have made the wrong decision. So Hmm. first of all, do you even look at it through the world as far as right or wrong, or do you have a different perspective?
1: Well, you know, uh, there are the things that I would like to believe, and then the things that I actually feel sometimes. (laughs) I think philosophically, I don't. I don't actually think there is such a thing as a right or wrong decision. I, I I wrote a little ebook that I never published a long time ago called "Cut," and it was about the art of decision making. And the you know the root word for decide, the Latin word I think it is "decidere" or, or however one would pronounce it. Um, uh, it. It basically is the same root word as to cut, you know, and so. Mm. deciding is is the, um, the act of cutting off all other options. And I struggle with making decisions because I love options. Mm-hmm. Because as a creative person, I love living in the land of possibilities. You know, this book could be this or this podcast could be that. And then to actually have to make it into something is um, uh, difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Cormac, Cormac McCarthy said that every time he finishes a book, he grieves because he has to let go of all the things it will not be. Mm. And, and I get that. Um, so good or bad decisions. Uh, no, I, I don't think there is such a thing as a good or bad decision. There are things that we decide and then there are the consequences that follow. And I think what we call a good decision is I do a thing. And then shortly after the thing that I do something good happens to me, something that I enjoy happens to me. And I go, that was a good decision Mm -hmm. and a, a bad decision is I do a thing and, and it sends me in a certain direction. And then what follows that, uh, seems to be less favorable. And I call that a bad decision. And I tell myself a story, which is that if I didn't do this thing, if I didn't make this decision, I wouldn't have to be living with this discomfort right now, which is, um, Uh, May be true, but you don't know. And it is an intellectually dishonest exercise, I think, to ascribe an outcome uh, of a decision to the actual decision as like, this was a bad decision because this bad thing happened. Well, how do you know that? How do you not know that something worse wouldn't have happened to you had you not done this? You don't know. You're just telling a story based on a thing that you did. So, I could get real heady about this sort of thing. And there are certainly things that I do, and I look back on it and I go, ah, crap. Now that I know this, um, I think if I would have done something else, it would have been different. Um, But I didn't know. You know, Uh, I didn't, I didn't like, was it a bad idea to only buy one Bitcoin in 2013? Because I could have afforded 500 if I wanted, you know? or was it a really good idea that i bought one bitcoin in 2013 and use some of that cash for a down payment on a house this year
0: i had a friend of mine who actually paid for a pizza with bitcoin back then <laughs> i remember it was, it was the funniest thing and i and i remember at the time he was it was like 2 dollars or something
1: yeah he you just like gave that guy a lexus yeah. <laughs> 200 or
0: 300 of them and he was just he, d- he didn't know what to do and i think sure. to be honest a lot of people at the time no. didn't know what to uh-uh. do with it and uh-uh. I remember he ended up paying a guy with the pizza and who knows that that guy might be, you know, the owner of that pizza place, (laughs) but I know, but it's just so interesting, even what you discuss right now. And that's, you truly don't know the outcome of any decision, even if it does feel good, right? If, even if it does feel like, okay, this is quote unquote, the right decision to make, this is what feels good in some situations, it turns out differently. Well,
1: what yeah, and what I think is interesting about d- decisions is correlation and causation. So you make a decision. Uh, I'm going to go to this college. I'm going to say no to this job and take that job. I'm going to ask this girl out on a second date. Whatever. Um, and then something happens as a result of that, and you go, "That was a you know, that was a good decision." You don't know if that, with some exceptions, you don't know that this thing that you did was the thing that caused that thing that you yes enjoyed. Correct. And you don't know that this thing that you did necessarily caused the the quote unquote bad thing that happened to you. And what's funny to me is like, let's say, let's say last night I decide to, uh, um, you know, uh, do something I don't normally do. I I don't brush my teeth, right? And and then I wake up the next morning and there's a tree on my roof. A tree falls down the middle of the night and crashes on my roof. I go, that's because I didn't brush my teeth. Now <laughs> most most rational people mm-hmm. would be like. Um, uh, that's superstition. But if I said, my friends and I were go- all going out one night and I decided I didn't want to go out and I went to the movie theater by myself and I met the love of my life and I've been happy ever since. I would go, that was a good decision. Now, those are both the same thing. They're both superstitions. One feels somewhat rational and one feels incredibly irrational. But there's 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 no way to say that I, maybe that same night I could have gone out with my friends and met somebody else and they could have become the love of my life or that I wouldn't have met that person that I I met at the movie theater in the grocery line two -hmm. days from now. So all rationale for a decision, good or bad, is actually a superstition because you are cherry picking which things you call causes and which things you just call. Well, that just happened. The tree Mm -hmm. just fell on my house. It had nothing to do with whether or not I brushed my teeth. Mm -hmm. That's all of life, I think. It's just we're doing stuff and stuff is happening. And then we're, we're wrapping a narrative around it.
0: Yeah. And choosing Which, how, choosing how we react, what information we extract, all those things. I'm, I'm with you on all of that. I, I imagine think, you would be, I, I think so much of life. I remember the first time I was asked, uh, what is your story or who are you? And for me, it was the, probably the most difficult question I had ever had to articulate mm. because at, at what point, right? The story of yesterday, the story of last week, the story of where I was born. What is the story that the person is interested in? And then how do I wrap that into something that makes sense to them? And I think it's the same exact thing with decisions, right? At what point did you start to change? At what point did you become the person that you are? You're right. You're absolutely right.
1: It's an arbitrary thing. You might
0: uh, have become aware at a certain point, but at the same time, what were the thousands of decisions that led to developing that awareness and then expressing it and taking action and doing all these things. And that's why I think, and I'm curious to hear how you view this concept as well when it comes to success, Mm -hmm. right? So much of success, I think boils down to, okay, do X, Y, and Z and you're going to get there. Well, A, do we honestly know what, The ingredients are behind a great book, a great piece of work, or is it just everything working together somehow simultaneously, even in situations where you don't know, you know, that experience that you had 10 years ago, is that also somehow a part of this conversation somehow?
1: Yeah.
0: So it's just, it's fascinating to me how much, how much as I started to dig into this, that I begin to realize that I truly don't know.
1: I know, and and what I um and that can be really liberating and really scary at the same time, and and I think it's wonderful to have a story and to use a story as a way to make meaning, um, which is what a story is supposed to do, um, and understand that it's a tool for connection, and that's it. Um, my friend Ray Edwards likes to say that the story of your life. Is not your life; it's just a story. And what's liberating about that is, you know, you think about Viktor Frankl, logotherapy, man search for meaning, all of that. I mean, what he was essentially saying in that book was, um, like, I am in, I am in the worst of worst of imaginable human conditions, right? Being treated as an animal and probably going to die, and I'm surrounded by hopelessness, and I can choose to see this story as X, or I can choose to see it as Y. And I, and I can have some sort of redemptive view of my suffering that there's something I'm going to get out of this that is good or not. And in that moment, I get to choose it and the stuff is still going to happen, but the narrative that I wrap around it, you know, could be transformative to, to me, at least internally. And that's, that's a lot. Um, but the, the, then that's wonderful. But the flip side of that is, is I meet you at a party and I go, Oh, like, what's your story? And in that moment on that day, because of the things that have happened to you at that time, you decide to tell me the story of this, this, and this, right. And your story sounds like a, I don't know, tragedy or rags to rich story or whatever. And, and for the rest of our time together, I see you as that guy, right? I, so right now the information that I have is here's a guy whose name uh, I wasn't quite sure how to pronounce, so I, so I asked him. This is the true
0: story for anyone listening. Uh-huh.
1: And then, and then, and then he told me a story from childhood, you know. And then I may make up a story on top of that. Oh, I bet he's been dealing with this his whole life, and, mm. and you know, and just very acquiescent. And now I'm really curious about that, but you know, and like, and so then I tell a story based on your story, and I treat you as such until something interrupts it, right? Until something changes, and I go, oh, I, I thought this was, I thought you were this way. And instead you were that way. And what I think is interesting about life is how often we do that with everybody. Cause everybody becomes a character in our story. Oh yes. But people aren't characters. People are people. And then when you see somebody, a good friend, a partner, a child, somebody that you intimately know, and they do something that totally surprises you, you go, I don't really know you as well as I think I know you. And, and there's a lot more to you than my story that I tell about you and even your story that you tell about you. And um, I, I had this experience recently. I went out with um, uh, a friend and some people that I didn't know, and we we're all just hanging out talking. And we didn't, not intentionally, just kind of happened. We didn't get each other's stories. So there were people at the table. I didn't know what they did for a living. I, it took me a minute to even learn their, took me like an hour to learn their names, like <laughs> I'm serious. We didn't do the, you know, we didn't do the introduction thing. We just dropped into life together. And, and so what I was meeting was not a person's story. I was meeting who that person was and how they were showing up in that moment. And, and then as we went, I got more and more curious about who are you? Where do you come from? What is your context? Where are you going tomorrow? Like what, what scene in this movie of your life, am I a part of? And it was very interesting. It was, it was destabilizing because I was mm-hmm. like, but what's your story? And then I noticed, well, I don't need a story. They're here right now. They're telling me their story through who, they, who through how they're showing up right now. And so uh, I think that's, and I think that can be true of ourselves too, you know, that, that the story of our own lives, we can tell lots of stories around our life and retell those stories. Um, and, and there is a phenomenon beyond the story that is your life. And it is lots of things happening in a seemingly chaotic um, order. And what you choose to do with all of that stuff is is what you choose to do with all that stuff.
0: I also wonder to a degree, because I'm finding that, especially in the last however many years, there has been this great focus on story and purpose and meaning and all these things. And I think there's value in all that. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I also think that sometimes in thinking about those things, it loses the other components of the individual. You know, like in this case, if I'm solely focused on what is Jeff's story, then I'm probably going to miss how you show up, emotions you express, you know, the dog walking in the background, all these interesting things that might help me gain a different perspective about who you are other than what you are able to articulate about right. what you've been through and where you might be going yeah and i think what i've experienced in that question of what is your story is tremendous amount of pressure in putting it in, in finding an answer that's going to be short that's the <laughs> world we're living in right now right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no memoirs and if there is a memoir please email <laughs> it to me <laughs> i'll read it later <laughs> but it's got to be short concise and to the point point. Uh-huh. and i think it's at least I found, and I don't know if you've ever found this as a difficulty of yours. It's been hard to sometimes articulate that because it's like, well, in asking the question of what is your story, ninety-nine percent of the time people are not specific as far as the story about what, right? The story of hard time, the story of a breakup, the story of my last ice cream bowl, the story of the story of something that made me happy, the story of why we're here, the story that we're going to create. So there are just so many different stories, and I think it's a very complex question to answer to begin with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I found that when I solely chose to focus on that, I lost the essence of the conversation. I, went I lost to the, a... the the vision, the image of like, why does it have to be a story? Why can't? Why is this not enough? Right, right, right.
1: I um. I I went to a a fancy cocktail party the other night one might even call it a soiree um and I took a a friend with me because I wanted to hang out with my friend I was like hey I got invited to this thing I I actually don't know how like much about it it just there's free drinks free food it's in it's in a mansion do you want to come and he was like yeah sure you know and uh and so we went and and it 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 seemed that, you know, we were not the only ones who kind of came out of curiosity, we weren't the only ones who didn't know why we were there. And, Mm. and it was like, there was, there was some awkwardness there, at least from our perspective. And, and the the friend that I invited is a musician. And um, he's, uh, he said, this is not normally the kind of thing that I would go to. But this is why I'm going to it, because it's not something I would normally do. And I want to sort of explore that part of me. And he goes, so, like, how do I best engage in this? He was, like, walking around meeting to- total strangers. whereas I, a good
0: question. It's a very good question, I, actually. I've had the same well, question many times. Well,
1: it's, it's a brilliant question, uh, and I'm kind of, like, sitting somewhat standoffish. There. I know some people there. so people are just coming up and talking to me, but I'm not, like, trying. And he's really trying in, in a, like, non-desperate, just curious, open way. He said, I figure if I'm going to do it, I'm really going to do it. Like, how do we – how do we be the best at the, you know, at at doing whatever is expected of us here? Like, how do I play this role? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of pulled him aside and I said, how is this for you? You know, like neither of us, this is really our, our scene. And we just kind of went going, whatever, you know, we'll just have fun. Um, and he said, um, he said, I am, he goes, I believe that people are infinitely more interesting than my stories about them he said i think people are more interesting than i give them credit for and i think people are more interesting than they give themselves credit for and he said and i and, and i'm choosing that cuz that is that is more interesting to me than i'm special and all these people are vapid or whatever and i'm just going to sit here and kind of glare at everybody and not engage he goes i'm i've been that guy i could do that i know how to do that that's not interesting to me. That's not an interesting part of my story. So I don't, I'm choosing not to be that guy right here. And, um, I'm choosing to believe that there's, there's something very interesting beyond whatever's happening here in the presentation of, of stories to each other. And, and I was, and that like knocked me out of my own little judgmental funk. And I was like, dude, wow. You know, that's, you know, this is a profound thing. And, um, he said another thing that, that kind of hit me, bowled me over, and he said, I choose to not do that. I'm choosing to engage because when I'm engaging, I'm not judging. And when I'm, when I'm judging, I'm not actually seeing. I'm blind. And so I'm, I'm engaging because that's more interesting than judging to me. And I, and I love that idea that when you judge something, you don't see it anymore. And so a story is a really good temporary container for the mystery of you, for me to grasp something, but it should be an invitation into an ongoing story. You know, it's, it's a, it's a vector that starts with a dot and continues on in a certain direction. And you've given me a section, a segment of that line, but it's, it, as soon as you give that to me, it's, it's still going to keep going. And we've got to get into the reality of, of you and me right now, having an experience if we're going to actually learn anything about each other at all, that would be useful.
0: Well, I think that's where also the curiosity plays a big role in all of that. Yeah. And something that I've learned, I remember this was 8, 10, maybe even longer than that. Years ago, I had a conversation with my brother, and he was telling me this thing that he read, and that's uh, choosing to reflect 10 to 15 minutes a day and the impact it has on your life over the course of however many years you choose not choose but how many years you end up living and having done this the past five to six years where i've every single day Mm. reflected for Mm. 10 to 15 minutes sometimes an hour it works Mm. there's something about that that is so profound that i can't even express and now it's to the point where i'm able to go into a conversation and just almost be curious without even having to be curious mm. right being able to strike conversations about topics that are i don't know conversations that maybe people don't have often and mm-hmm. oftentimes people ask where do you get these questions and i say i have no idea i just i'm just there i'm just i genuinely want to know like not who are you and what do you do but how do you view life you know when you look Anywhere, what do you see? Like, how do you think about certain things? And it's just to me, it's a really fascinating thing. I will also say that having worked with however many people by now, not everyone is curious. And I think it's a huge skill. And I think it's a huge skill that oftentimes what I've experienced, you learn on your own through your own trials and tribulations and experiences. I mean, throughout schooling, I, I don't think, I probably, I might've learned bits and pieces, like who knows, going back to decisions, right? I might've learned bits and pieces of it, but I think a lot of it really came from my own genuine interest, wanting to be curious and being yes. curious. Mm. Also, I think those are two very different things.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, in many cases, school is is really kind of trying to stomp out curiosity because curiosity might lead you to a place that isn't in the lesson plan. Correct. You know? And so curiosity is is sort of equivalent to distraction in a you know traditional school setting. Um, even in college where you're you're sort of encouraged to go your own way, that there is this like prescribed. Set of lessons that we need you to learn, and I and I think that is a you know worthy skill uh, to develop. You know that of discipline, the ability to sit down and focus on a single thing, and that will never propel the human race into some brand new territory. You know mm. that that's discipline can only take us so far. Discipline can take us deeper into the skills and opportunities we have already acquired but curiosity can create a whole new landscape for us mm-hmm. and it's hard know. and it's hard to know which tool to use like <laughs> should I go find <laughs> the next frontier exactly. or like you know bring out my drills and start you know drilling for oil or whatever like you know what should I be doing should I go deeper with what I have or expand on what I what I don't have and don't know
0: do you intentionally practice it? curiosity
1: well that's an interesting thing that you said um at the end of the day you spend 10 to 15 minutes just sort of thinking about your day yeah,
0: and that's re- reflecting picking and, a question something that's interesting like
1: and that's it that's the whole exercise and that as a discipline has made you more curious mm-hmm. it's fascinating um i don't practice curiosity um
0: uh would you consider yourself to be curious
1: let yeah, I would consider myself to be you know curious slash distracted. Um,
0: <laughs> totally. Hey, luckily that has a free membership. Yeah. I'm in that club too.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I I have what they call a leaky filter, and I don't I don't think everybody is this way. At least they don't seem to be that way. It's it's a um, it is a uh a quality of, of, of ADHD. I don't, I've never been diagnosed with that. So I don't know, but I go, yeah, that totally tracks. But if I'm sitting with you and this happened the other day, I was sitting with a friend, having coffee and there was a conversation happening behind us. And I, he was saying a thing and they were saying a thing and my brain was on fire. <laughs> I was like, ah, I, and I go, is this bothering you? No, I'm good. I'm like, this is not bothering you. This is like, <laughs> I can't. I can't think. I'm sorry. I just have to finish this and then do
0: that. And uh.
1: um. So now
0: imagine being a fish. You know, (laughs) (laughs) one eye looks this direction, the other one looks that way. You gotta comprehend both.
1: I. I. Um. I'm always thinking about more than one thing at a time, Hmm. and um and I have to sort of slow the curiosity down and just be present to what's happening right now. Um, and I think w- what is a, what is a practice for me is to kind of do what you're talking about. It's to, mm-hmm. it's to pay such close attention to myself that I can start paying attention to somebody else. Cause when you're not aware of what's happening inside of you, you're going to react to that. Yes. And then, and then, pretend you were reacting to somebody else and you're not. And so if there's a thing that I practice, it's that when you and I are talking, I'm trying to notice what's happening in my stomach right now and how my feet feel this way. And, um, and, and as I do that, I'm tapping into the moment I'm noticing things about you. And then I'm seeing your response to the thing that I say and the noticing my response to the thing that you say and i'm noticing when you say a thing and i think a thought and then how hard it is to oh you're still talking and i but i have a thing that i have to say but i want to listen and okay you know and it's like i that that feels like distraction to me and perhaps curiosity is sort of like focused distraction you know it's Mm. distract it's distraction with with a little bit of discipline
0: well also think you bring up an interesting point for me and it's regarding conversations. I think that something that I've learned and, and kind of created a distance from is when I first started to do a lot of podcasting, I used to think that a, con- a conversation or a quality conversation is one that has a linear pattern, right? Mm-hmm. There's, a right. Thought, there's a thought that builds upon a thought. There's a thought that builds upon that thought. When the reality of the matter is, I mean, let's face it, most conversations are not like that, Right. right. You say something, I say something else, somehow the two connect. There might be one word that's similar, but the thoughts itself are completely different. And then we just continue building and building and building and building. And I think that's sometimes has created pressure and assumptions in a a story, right? Oh, this is not a good interview. Oh, this is not a good Mm -hmm. podcast. When really it's just like, well, no, it, it was what it was. Right. why put a lot of these unnecessary things talking about decisions and kind of stepping into the unknown we don't know what the next what the person is going to say next mm-hmm. we don't know what they're actually listening to if mm-hmm. they're even listening right mm-hmm. and how are they listening are they listening to, to respond or are they listening to actually understand and build upon the thoughts because mm-hmm. those are all also very different things that i've learned through my experience mm-hmm. i've been a part of conversations where i was solely there to listen to respond as soon as you said the trigger word, that was my entry point. And then I'm <laughs> spilling out the whole novel I just wrote in my head <laughs> about something that you might have said half an hour ago. Totally. And somehow we're able to connect and continue to build off of it. And then I really started to tune into that and say, okay, am I actually listening to what this person just said Like in mm-hmm. your case, right? Mm-hmm. Am I actually listening to how he chooses to observe his thoughts? And what else is happening in his body, in his surroundings? Mm-hmm. Or am I somewhere else? Am I mm-hmm. trying to extract some other point out of it? That's another thing, right? Conversations with an agenda and intention. Mm-hmm. I believe in intention. And for me, the sole intention is I want to have a conversation that I can learn from. But outside of that, like I can't make you say certain things, right? Mm-hmm. I can't extract these lessons and all these things I think if anything half the time the lessons come from moments when I don't even expect it mm-hmm. you ever been in those conversations where you're sitting there and you're wanting one thing and it's not coming and then as soon as you stop asking for it or thinking about it boom yeah. and then all of a sudden I'm like wait <laughs> say that again totally. <laughs> I've sat here for an hour <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. So life is fascinating. It really is. So much of it is just unknown. And who knows you're going to meet? Who knows where you're going to meet them? Mm -hmm. My dad, actually, he sent me a video, which I think somewhat ties into what you and I have been talking about. And that's kind of having a lot of these instances happen in our lives. And the video was about luck and chance how much so much of life is truly just about luck and being there at the right time in the right space. Do you believe in that? Do you believe in such thing that, as luck?
1: I, I think luck is a story like anything. It is um, uh, it is a somewhat arbitrary designation of a series of random things that happened that were favorable. Good luck is something that was unlikely to happen Happened to me and it was, a, and, and it worked out well for me. Right. Uh, and bad luck is something that is seemingly unlikely that happened to me, but it went in the other direction. Um, uh, I think that the, the nature of reality is things are happening. That's it. Things are happening. Um, there's, a, there's a physicist named Carlo Ravelli who's written some really fun books um, uh, one of which was called the order of time. And I think in that book, he says, there is no such thing as a thing. There are only events. You are not a thing. You are an event. And every seven or so years, all of the cells in your body are replaced by other cells. They change. I
0: have heard that before. Yeah. Seven year and, cycles. I mean, even like,
1: you're not just a hunk of matter moving through the world like you know what i'm saying you are you are an event and you know this because you can never be still you can sit and as still as you can get you go oh my lungs are breathing okay stop my lungs you know <laughs> oh, my heart is beating you know it's like you can't stop changing you literally cannot you'd have to die and even then your, your body would start decomposing and more change would still keep happening so everything you experience is an event and events are bumping into other events and they're causing other events and so everything is just a happening and we are all little happenings a part of this greater happening and so reality is that it's stuff happening um the human condition you know the 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 species called human beings that um seem to be conscious of their existence in a way that maybe other beings are not or that we cannot can't quite measure um they have this ability to reflect on the on the things that are happening in and through them. And then we judge them, we go, that's good, that's bad. And we tell stories around them. And in in, in the human condition is to make meaning out of experiences. And I think that's wonderful. But we have 100% agency over what we make of the things happening to us. Um, And it seems Um, plausible, that one could say everything that's happening is random. And and it seems uh, just as plausible to say it's all happening for a reason. And this is where we are ultimately headed because that's where we ended up. Um, and, And those are, to me, are saying the same thing. Everything happens for a reason. Nothing happens for a reason. The bottom line is things are happening and you are part of those things happening. And whatever's going to happen will happen. By definition, I don't mean that in any sort of fatalistic way, like whatever's going to happen is happening and will happen because that's what happened, you know? Um, and then whatever we decide to make out of that good, bad, right, wrong, terrible, amazing is the judgment. They're just words that we get to stick onto those experiences. And that can sound really difficult when we're in the middle of an incredible trial. But, but we all have done this in our lives. And you know, this is true. And because- continue to. Pick an event in your life that you've told multiple stories around, you know? Oh, story of my divorce. Worst thing that's ever happened to me. But this amazing thing, the best thing that's ever happened to me, you know? (laughs) Or like, uh, whatever. I mean, like, there are things that have happened in your life, and you have told that story from multiple perspectives at different times in your life when that story meant something else to you. Now you can see why and how our ancestors for thousands of years told myths, told stories, told fables, created books like the Bible and the Bhagavad yeah. Gita. Um, this is how we get our bearings. What, how even your you know, brother said, I read this in a book, right? And so I think that's a wonderful thing so long as you understand that I am the one who gets to decide whether or not this was lucky. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that old, what is it? A Chinese proverb or something where, um, you know, uh, man's son is out riding a, a horse, horse falls and, you know, son breaks his leg and they go, Oh, that's so terrible. And the father says, we'll see, you know, and then there's a big war and because the son's leg is broken, he can't go off to war and, um, and then they go, oh, it's so fortunate that your son doesn't have to go off to war. He goes, we'll see, you know, and, and then this other thing happens and it's like, <laughs> good, bad, good, bad. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. That's the point is like, um, what you call good or bad is, um, they're really just names, you know? And if you get in given enough time, the good can, can, can become bad and the bad can become good. And so, mm-hmm. what then are we really trying to do? I think we're trying to be present. We're trying to be here for it. We're trying to enjoy the experience, whatever it may be, while it's happening.
0: Mm-hmm. And s- that is well put. Very and well. I think. And I
1: think. Sorry to interrupt. I think story is an abstraction of reality. Yes, but story can get you into reality, maybe faster than anything, because once you abstract it. go oh this is a piece of a thing and as soon as i pull it out of the cosmic everythingness it starts to kind of wither in my hands it's just a story it's a thing it's not real anymore and and i can see that it's not the thing because i've pulled it out and kind of buffed it up and made it its own separate thing and it's already started to lose its life um and that can get me into say presence consciousness the ability to, to to get into life and go oh it's like a story is you're watching a beautiful river go down, you know, stream and you take a cup of water and you go, I got the river and you go, ah, man. Or like, you know, beautiful sunset, you take a picture. And, oh, that's not it. You know, sometimes those little captures of the moment get actually get me into the moment because they fall so far short from the actual thing that's happening.
0: I also think the stories are just fundamental to being human. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they provide meaning and purpose. And, and I, I think without a story, it would be difficult to try and understand the time on this planet, right? Yeah. How, I mean, how else do you articulate the moments? And, and maybe to a degree, you're not meant to, right? Maybe you are meant mm. to be like a fish, you just go and, yeah. or a dog and you, I don't even, I, I'm always fascinated by how, how do they totally. even perceive a day? Right? how do they perceive time like my my parents dog he's incredible i kid you Uh not 4 p.m so it starts at 9 a.m 9 a.m 4 p.m and 8 p.m almost on the dot he knew he knows exactly where to be and he knows exactly what he's gonna get Uh and that's food Uh on the dot how no Uh watch nothing and it's not like we are even making our way towards the the dog dish half the time we forget or we're doing something else at that time but he is there every time and it's just to me it's fascinating how all of us perceive the day and and what meaning we create for it and and maybe if anything meaning and purpose is something that is i don't know if it's needed or required for us but without it 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 would just be different right like
1: yeah and i I,
0: look without a story well some making sense of it
1: i think like that that's what i think i think it's a wonderful challenge you know um everybody should spend a day without time without telling a story about where they came from where they're going what they did have you uh, done that?
0: have you have I, you I, have you I, i've, been anywhere I've, without, I've done
1: it without time and it's i have too it's interesting it is you go wait what The sun setting every day is a Saturday. (laughs) Or like, should shouldn't the sun be setting now? And you realize time is not real. You know, Mm. not um, not exactly. Uh, It it is. It is a way that we have. It is. It is a. It is a tool that we use to measure the passage of moments, and. Um, and stories are a way, are tools that we use to judge, um, and, and in some cases measure the the, the, you know, passage of a series of moments. And I think they're tools and I think they're very useful as you see them as tools, but when you live in them as realities, that's quite constrictive and, and not particularly curious, right? Like Mm. we all know people who, who are stuck in a story that like is over yeah you know and, and and they're just really committed to whatever that story is and being that character for the rest of their lives and um and i think it's good to sort of fast from these tools for a minute and um and just see what a day looks like without a story without a clock
0: mm-hmm. i think part of the reason at least for me whenever i was stuck in stories like that is I remember thinking that I could fix it. I could somehow change the outcome, even mm-hmm. though it's been years and years since it happened. Mm-hmm. And ultimately I think it was hoping and expecting for a different ending.
1: What's an you know, example of that?
0: A breakup, a, mm-hmm. a breakup with a significant other. And then I'm sitting there I, and this is a true story. I'll be sitting there and thinking like, man, I wish I would have done differently. Or I know exactly yeah. what I could have done differently to prevent X, Y, and Z from happening. But then going back to your point, the same exact thing. Four years, for, fast forward, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Totally. Like, you ever, you ever watch now said, I see all the different lessons uh, I was meant uh-huh, to learn. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. four years prior, this sucks. I want to go totally. back. I don't want to go through this phase alone.
1: Did you ever see that movie, About Time? mm Oh, so, good. It's, it, well, yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, and in the movie, this uh, young guy uh, learns that he can go back in time, that all the men in his family can can go back in time. Um, and they like jump into a closet and then come come out and it's a different time. They just have to like think of, of that time. So he, uh, there's this beautiful girl that comes and th- that is like his sister's friend and comes stays at their house for the summer or something. And at the end of the summer, he asks her out and she said, I totally would have gone out with you, but this is my last night. And I wish you would have asked me out earlier. Mm. And he's like, ah, man. So, so he jumps in the closet, goes back to the beginning of the summer and asks her out and she goes, well, I just got here, you know, not right now. (laughs) And then, you know, but whatever. And, and, and he does it a bunch of different times, trying to do it just right every single time. And it never works out. And he's like, Okay, I got it. And she's always like, no, 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 I totally would have done that. And then there's a scene where later on he sees her years down the line and she's flirting with him and, he, and and he's like, oh, I could, no, I remember, right? This is not, mm. this is not going to happen. She's not into it. Um, and I, I think life is like that. Whatever decision beautiful you- beautiful metaphor. Yeah, whatever decision you made was the right decision because you made it. And there is no going back. And another movie, um, <laughs> I love movies, was uh, that movie, uh, uh, 500 Days of Summer. I haven't where- seen it
0: now. I heard, I heard great things about it.
1: That's a movie about a breakup. And, and, and basically, this, the, the whole one person wants it, another person doesn't, which is often how breakups go. And the guy who doesn't want it like the whole movie is him trying is reconstructing the relationship, trying to figure out what happened and how he could have, you know, saved it or whatever. And then there's a point where he, he from a wise counsel of his eight year old sister, or whatever uh, she goes, I think you should go back and look at this again. Cause I think there were some things that you were missing. And the thing that he's missing is she was never as into him as he was into her and it was never going to work. Mm. And, and that like, that's a beautiful moment in that movie. Cause I, Cause we've all been there before. We've all been able to yes. look back on something with a different perspective and gone, ah, uh, this was always going to happen, you know, and, and, and not to be fatalistic about it, but like it was always going to happen because it did happen. Right. Like that's, that's the most rational conclusion one could draw. Like it, it was supposed to happen because it did happen. Mm-hmm. And, and it is interesting to me how human beings can tell incredible, beautiful, marvelous stories about the events of their lives that um, are inspiring, liberating, freeing, you name it. Uh, or we can do the thing that you talked about doing, which is absolutely murder our souls through regret by telling ourselves over and over and over again, you could have done it better.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, no, you couldn't have, because you didn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, I, I saw a friend recently post this thing on Facebook and it was like, um, you know, who here believes that they're living up to a hundred percent of their potential? You know, and everyone's like, no, I think ten percent, fifteen percent, twenty percent. I said, no, I'm living to hundred percent of my potential right now because I'm doing what I can do right now, and ma- and and maybe later I can do more. But this is my potential because this is reality. Yeah, it's a, 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 potential is an absurd word to use. It's not. It's not a real <laughs> thing. It's, yeah. it's not a real thing. It's just an idea. Who knows what human beings can accomplish? Well, that's true. You know, and who knows what you can accomplish? That's true. But you are living in your potential right now. And when you can do more, that'll be your potential. That is, that is what you can do. You can only do what you can do. Maybe some people don't like that, but that seems obvious to me.
0: I think it's also a limitation from time to time. Whenever I hear statements like that, or I hear that we're only using 10, 5, 25% of our brain, it's like, hey, who knows that? And yeah, B, right. who's measuring me? right? yeah. measuring my brain and how much I'm using every day. And I I think going back to the stories, those stories can either empower or they can become limitations, right? That's right. They can become things that you fear and you don't explore ever again. I mean, in the case of the movies that you described, it's like, how many times are you going to quote unquote, make a similar decision before you don't make that decision ever again, Right. right? You go into a relationship and it doesn't work out. Or the person says, no, Are you going to try it again. And then are are going to try it again and again and again, starting businesses, starting projects. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting for me in exploring, how do you really use your past, right? Mm-hmm. How do you use the experiences that you've been through and lived through mm-hmm. in order to be able to experience the now while also maybe creating the vision of the future?
1: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that feels useful to me. Mm. You know, we're, 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 using this, um, this incredible thing called our mind and we're, and we're pointing all that energy towards something because the truth is you're going to put your attention on something. If you could just sort of like walk around in a daze, like a baby all the time going, wow, wow, wow. I mean, that's kind of cool. You know, I've, <laughs> I've, I've had days like that. It feels great. And, and you find yourself placing your attention on something, you know, and you can place your attention on why didn't I do this? I should have done it better. I could have, you know, could have, would have, should have, I'm not living up to my potential. It just feels like more ways to feel bad about where you are right now. And that doesn't, I don't enjoy that. So I choose not to do that. Um, And so you're taking that power and you're going, no, I'm going to use this for good. You know, I'm going to use this to tell a story that got me right to where I am. That's going to lead me to more of where I want to be and um, you know, stories aren't true, but they can sort of guide us to the truth. You know, mm-hmm. they can, they can reveal the truth in us um, and help us get to I don't know, truer, better, more interesting places.
0: Do we make the truth then? Oh yeah, yeah
1: ab- absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, we create or we define what is true and what's not. That's kind of how I've looked at it.
1: It seems to me, it seems to me that there is this thing called reality, and no one is quite sure exactly what it is. (laughs) And at some level, physically, (laughs) cosmically, we are interacting with that reality. We're actually a part of it. And so, yes, absolutely. I think we are creating what we call the truth, which is what is real, what is absolutely 100% real within this reality. And it seems to me that by and large, it is whatever we want. And of course, somebody will be like, "Well, I want to, I want to sprout wings and fly." And yeah, I get it. It's confusing and weird. I don't know exactly how it all works. You know, and we can get into quantum mechanics and stuff. You know, it's it's not so cut and dry. But I do know, at very least, stuff is happening to people. And we, depending on who we are just choose how we perceive that and how we perceive it is how we affect how it affects us mm. so much to the point that I go, Oleg said this thing and I didn't like it very much. And I know he was thinking this and that guy's a dick, you know, and then I, and somebody goes, oh, like Jeff said to you, this, this, and this, and, and you go, I never said that. I thought we had a great conversation and it's mm-hmm. like, welcome to life where <laughs> the, People are sharing experiences, coming, walking away with completely different takeaways.
0: It's a, that's fascinating. Isn't it's, it? <laughs> I
1: know this person won, you know, this office, things are amazing. We're finally going to live, you know? And then everybody else is like, this is bad, 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 bad. <laughs> and your babies are going to be killed by the government tomorrow. It's like, Oh God, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, man, like, uh, (laughs) at a certain level, you got to say truth is pretty relative (laughs) because it's my favorite quote on writing is there are three rules to writing. Unfortunately, nobody knows what they are (laughs) and that's life. You know, it's like, (laughs) there, there are these, there are these two things that we, (laughs) that we absolutely know are true and nobody can agree on what they are
0: that's a good one. I've never heard that one before. Yeah. So Three rules to writing it. Nobody knows, who no, it. But, but but that, what that is how it is. Like yeah, every, in that.
1: every writer's like, there's, that's what life is like. There's, there's def there are definitely rules here <laughs> and there are things that work and don't work. And I, and if, and if you, and if you made me write them down, I couldn't. And, and it seems to me that life is that way. There are some rules. There are some ways that things absolutely work and we're still figuring out what those things are because they're not exactly what we thought they were time isn't exactly what we thought it was you know the solar system isn't exactly what we thought it was gravity isn't exactly what we thought it was your brain doesn't work exactly the way we thought it did is it's weird weird stuff out there and how we choose to look at it all is is a choice it's just a choice and and what we call truth is is that i think it's our perspective on the things that uh, seem to be happening and and we we sort of make an agreement with that perspective and we go cool and then we see and then we find the things that we're looking for because that's what we're looking for you know if if if, if our perspective is the world is a dangerous place you're gonna find danger and and, and then maybe something will happen that sort of breaks you know uh, breaks that perspective and you've got to change your perspective a little bit or double down on it you know and that's uh, that's what's interesting you, you need some sort of construct some way of seeing the world and and in a, a good way to navigate through life is to be willing to reconstruct that construct every every so often as new data is presented i, I don't know that it necessarily works to not have a construct um, I, I don't I, I think that's how we come into the world as as babies and I think once, once the program gets in there, it's hard to completely deprogram. You swap one program for another, and the programs, the stories, the ways of looking at the world, the belief systems are just different ways of looking at it, you know? Um, it's, it's, you know, like the, like the, the Talmud says about uh, scripture, about Torah, you know, the old Jewish myst- mystical book, um, you know, they, they say that their scriptures are like a 70-sided diamond, and, and the goal of a community is to look at the is to turn the diamond to look at it from different perspectives. And so I think what's what's marvelous about humanity is we all have a different perspective on things that are happening. And when I share my perspective and you share your perspective, either one of us is right and the other one is wrong, or we're both wrong, or we're both right, or or it's way more complex than that. But I love the idea that we can hold an experience and turn it and look at it from different perspectives and find different meanings. in it. that's That's a cool way to live.
0: And not have to judge, right? Just like you mentioned, like, oh, he's right, he's wrong, but more so just to experience for the sake of experiencing. Yeah. That to me is also interesting. There's something that you said, and I know that out of respect for your time, I just quickly wanted to ask you this, but you mentioned this concept of knowing when to let go and knowing when to double down. How do you know? How do you know when to do one or the other?
1: I love what you said earlier about um I can't remember what it was about, but what it what it brought up in me was um uh, I've written five books um for myself, and I'm a ghostwriter, and I've probably written another six or seven books in the past couple of years for other people. Mm. And I still don't know how to write a book what does that mean it means when I get into it, I go this is I've never done this before. I've never worked on this book before. You know, it's like, I think I know what to do, but it would be like, I've, I've run one marathon, but I've never run a marathon in the desert. I've never run a marathon in the mountains and books are mm. like that. You know, um, there are, at least in terms of how I write them, they're all a bit different. Um, and so is I, it
0: the story? Is, is it the each, I'm just trying to understand, is it each individual that makes the difference harder to articulate?
1: I mean, it's like, how do you make a baby? Well, we kind of know. We know how to make a baby, but it's like, how do you make this baby?
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. I
1: I don't know. We put these ingredients together. We know we put these ingredients, life happens. But we don't know how she got green eyebrows, you know? I mean, we can sort of track it, but but how do I get green eyebrows next time? Yeah. I don't know. Creativity is like that. And I get paid to sort of guarantee an outcome. I go, I've done this before. I know how to do it. <laughs> and I'm telling you, when I get in the middle of a project, I go, I don't know. I don't know what to do right now. I'm just going to try something. And, and and sometimes it's something new. Sometimes it's something old, but I never know that that's the right thing to do. It's just, it seems to me that this is the right thing to do based on my, but I don't know. And maybe not everybody's not that way. And I, I know some people are more confident in their decisions. I can be quite confident in decision knowing that this is the best option I have. And then if somebody says, well, you could do this. I go, yeah, I could do. Yeah. That sounds great too. And confidence is just, I think the ability to see a decision through. So when do you quit versus when do you double down on something? I think you double down on a worldview or a construct for as long as it works for you. And it should make you happy. The way that you look at the world should bring you as close to happiness as possible. And if it doesn't, I'd, strongly consider looking at it differently because your worldview is not the only one that exists. And, and when it comes to, uh, but when it's just absolutely not working for you and you're having a jigsaw fit life, things are coming at you and you're sticking it over into this container and it's becoming more and more unwieldy. It's like that. For example, say you go through life thinking of yourself as a victim and then like you win the lottery and you go, yeah, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna stay, you know? And, and, and somebody gives you a car and you go, yeah, but it's not going to happen. And then finally, one of your friends is like, dude, all this amazing stuff is happening to you that's not happening to other people. And you're still upset about it. Like, wake up, right? And hopefully there's a little bit of awareness and enough slapping in the face that you go, huh, maybe this worldview isn't serving me anymore. And I should choose to see something differently. Um, so you double down on it for as long as it works. And then you quit when it doesn't. And you don't just quit something. You go... I'm going to try something else. And I do this with commitments too. I basically stick with a commitment until it just doesn't like, I'm getting less than a 50% return out of it. Right. If like, meaning if I go into this thing and I think I'm going to be this happy, right. I go into a relationship, a job, I buy a new house and I go, this is going to make me this much happier. Right. And I go in there and it's 50%, it's 51% of what I thought would be, I go, well, that's not exactly what I thought, but but I'm, I'm okay. I'm probably going to see this through for a while and see what happens. But once, it, once it's half of what I thought it would be, I'm examining that. I'm going, is this some, why is this this way? And is there, a, and, am I contributing this in some way? And, it, and if this commitment or worldview or whatever, because it's just a decision, right? I'm, I'm deciding to stay in this thing or continue down this path or have this perspective. And if it's, if it's not even half of what I thought it was, that's not, I mean, that's just not very um, efficient, right? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try something else. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I'm going to go, maybe I'll try this. And, and obviously, depending on what you're talking about a relationship or a job or a certain world, those are going to have different implications and, and, and ethics associated with them. But, um, if something isn't working for me, I'm going to get curious about it and see, see what's wrong within the thing. And then if I can't figure that out, I'm going to see, well, maybe there's a better option. There's a better way to, to do this. And I've got to be willing to let go of what was to experience what will be. And I'm totally comfortable trying some stuff and going, Nope, this is the best we can do right now. 49% is it. And, and I've tried, I think the benefit of trying things Versus sticking with whatever decision you've ever made, far often, far more often than not, the benefits of trying something new outweigh the benefits of sticking with something. Because almost without fail, you can try new things without absolutely quitting the old thing. And if the new things don't work, you can go back to the old thing. If you do it exper- experimentally, not all in on this new thing i when i quit my job of seven or eight years working at a nonprofit to go uh become a writer my boss said you could always if this doesn't work out you can always come back here because i had a good relationship with him because i i left the job in an honorable way i replaced myself uh, now that's not always possible but i've tried to when i've done new things i've tried to do it in a way where i didn't burn all my bridges and some people need that but i um I'm just trying stuff out to see what works. And I think that's how you op- optimize a life. And then when you find something that works, you, you you go all in on it for as long as it's giving you the return that you want. And when it stops, you get curious about it and start experimenting again.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of books, where yeah. can people find any of those books? Where can people connect with you? What do you have going on right now?
1: Uh, you can Google my name. You can search me on Amazon, Jeff Goins, Goins, speaking of names that people have pronounced <laughs> many different ways. I, I say Goins like coins, or, you know, as they told me in middle school, Groins, Jeffrey Groins, um, best place to find me is at my website, which is just Goins, G-O-I-N-S, com. goinswriter.com goinswriter.com. com.
0: Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we we'll look forward to having you next time.